Hello, my name is David Paletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message. Well, I'm going to preach today on the Under Armour Project. Uh, has nothing to do with the sportswear company. They spell theirs differently and everything like that. I think they got it from the Bible. This, ha this story happened about 2,500 years ago. But um, people are still dealing with Under Armour kind of stuff. So, Father, we just thank you for this time, Lord God. We do pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit to enlighten it to every but person here, Lord, to every heart, Father. We thank you for the power of your word, the power of your spirit, and we look forward to what you have to say to us today, Lord. Thank you, Father. You know, I think every time that I, I preach anymore, I'm going to encourage people to bring a journal. Not so much just because I'm preaching, but because anybody's preaching, and also during worship, during the announcements, whatever, God wants to speak to you. How about that? And there's only 17 verses in this passage I'm going to share today. But I can pretty much guarantee that in the course of this time, God has something for you specifically. He really does. And if, and if, um, if by the time I get to the, the end, you say, you know, there was nothing for me. Come and I will give you your money back. Well, I don't know if I can exactly do that. But, but anyway, you will find something for you. I love this story because it's so modern. It's about this guy named Naaman 2,500 years ago, but it is so modern because, and I got this from my precious daughter, Claire, who just came. She kind of inspired this message. Hey, Claire. And I'll share about that in a few minutes. But Naaman was a guy who had a great reputation, who had a great heritage, who was very popular and successful. And look at this, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man. How about that? Wouldn't you like people to say that about you? You're a great man, a great woman. You're a commander, you're a leader. He was a great man with his master, and he was in high favor. How many of you want to be in high favor with your boss or the people around you? That is so cool. Because by him, the Lord had given victory. How many of you want to be victorious? This is a great, great resume here. He was a mighty man of valor. This reads like a Facebook profile, <laughs> an Instagram pro profile, you know? All the great things we've done. I'm an influencer. I'm a leader. I'm a blogger. I'm a this. I'm an author. I'm a, you know, people have that kind of stuff. But you see, that's not the end of the verse. The verse continues, but. And the interesting thing is we all have a but. And, and frankly, as a pastor, I know too much about people. When I see them on Facebook, I say, wow. They say, oh, my wife is my best friend. We're celebrating our 30th anniversary. You know, oh, it's so awesome. I say, that's not what you told me last week. <laughs> you know, there's a but there. There's a, a, a but behind the scenes, you see. And, and frankly, if I could edit everyone's Facebook or Instagram profile, I'd like to go in and put the butt part. You know, da -da 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 -da, I'm successful, I'm highly favored, all this great stuff's going on. And here's the butt. 
And the interesting thing, I went through cancer and chemo back in 2019, and I learned an important lesson. I learned a lot of lessons, but one of them was this. Everybody is dealing with something. Turn to somebody if you're next to somebody and just say that everybody is dealing with something. It might not be cancer and chemo, but there's something. And so Naaman, this successful, victorious, highly favored kind of person, he was dealing with something. He was a leper. So that's his butt. But what's our butt? What's, what's our situation? I hope you're blessed today. I hope you're highly favored and all that stuff today. But God wants to deal with under the armor what the butt is. The interesting thing about the armor is it covered up a lot of stuff. It covered up the leprosy. We can cover our stuff up pretty well. But he was a leper. Wow, what an incredible thing. And this message also, believe it or not, has something to do with revival, which has been on God's heart lately. So what does it take to have a revival? And Walton can give you a lot more details, but, but here's just some basic things, and it's in this story here. People have said lately, the Asbury revival is caused because people are hungry for God's presence, and that is true. But I believe God wants to go even beyond hunger to desperation, and I see with Naaman, when you start having leprosy and your skin starts breaking out, well, first there's some hunger. It'd be kind of nice to get rid of this stuff, you know? And then it starts to eat you up. It starts to grow. It starts to get worse. And then guess what happened is? There's desperation. And desperation's not a bad thing. Desperation's a good thing because desperation is part of the breeding ground for miracles. And until you hit rock bottom, as my friend Dan Bennett always reminds me, until people hit rock bottom and get desperate, they're not really ready for the miracle. How about that? And another thing we're going to see in this story is humility. You know, <laughs> sometimes we kind of leave that out of re the revival messages. But 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people will humble themselves. That's the very first thing. Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. Then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. But it starts with humility. But here's the tragedy. Once revival starts, once God does some great things, once God uses us in some kind of amazing way, guess what tends to happen? Humility goes out the window. <laughs> and we want to advertise, we got it here. We got the revival here. We, we got the blessings here. God used me in an amazing way here. God wants us to be humble. He wants us to stay humble. That's, that's almost even more of a miracle, you know? And, and, and the interesting thing in this story, we see that without humility, there will not be obedience. There won't be. And all through this story, Naaman thought he knew better. He thought he knew better than Elisha. He thought he knew better than God. He thought he knew better. Ah, I'm sure none of you think you know better. <laughs> but, but until we realize God knows best, Father knows best. They had a TV show about that a long time. <laughs> Father knows best. Until we're humble enough to realize that. We are not going to be ready for the miracles and ready for the revival. Well, verse 2. <laughs> that was all in verse 1. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. And she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. 
Now, this sounds like kind of a bad thing. You know, the Syrians come, they raid Israel, they take this little girl captive and, and take her off to Syria. That sounds like a bad thing, huh? But here's the, here's the thing. God had this little girl strategically placed to make a difference and to connect Naaman to the blessing of God. And, and I want to encourage you today, just take a second here. This is a little object lesson. Just, just close your eyes just a second and think about where are you strategically placed? Who are the people around you? Your relatives, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers? Because God puts you there for a reason. He puts you there to make a difference. He puts you there to, make, to, to, to share something. And so this little girl, instead of being bitter, she could have been bitter, angry, blah, blah, blah. No, she's ready to be used by God. She says to her, her mistress, the Naaman's wife, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. God wants you to be strategically located so that you can point people to the God who does miracles. How about that? That is a cool thing. Now, you might not like where you've been placed. Have you ever been in a job? You said, I, I, I hate this. This sucks. You know, if you're maybe been in a relationship, wasn't doing too well. There's a lot of times we're in a, we're in a place and we say, I don't really like it here. But this little girl, whether she liked it or not, she was ready when the time came to point her master to the God of Israel. Wow, that is such a cool thing. So, so Naaman went in and told his lord, in other words, the king. Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now, go now. I'm going to stop right there. The king of Syria said, go, when? Now. If the king of Syria says, go now, we should, Naaman went now. But think about that. We just sang a song about the king, right? All hail King Jesus. When Jesus says, go now, then when should you go? Now. And the tragedy is many of us that would say we're obedient, we're, we're waiting for some other time to do what God told us to do. And sometimes he said, go now. Here's what you, you should do. Do it now. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Go now. Now is such a powerful word. But sometimes people are saying, well, maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe next year. One of these days I'll get around to it. Go now. That, that's a powerful thing. And so when the king of Syria said that, Naaman said, okay, I'm going to go. And then he said, I'm going to send a letter to the king of Israel, <laughs> which is interesting because they just got done raiding Israel. I mean, how's that going to go? You know, we're going to send a letter. And so Naaman went, taking with him. This is an incredible, powerful thing. Here. Look, look at this. He went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, which is 750 pounds of silver. 750 pounds of silver. And 6,000 shekels of gold, that's 150 pounds of gold and 10 changes of clothing. Well, anyway, it's all kind of amazing. If you add all that up, that's 900 pounds of silver and gold. That's $3.5 million in, in today's currency. And so Naaman kind of had it wrong a little bit. He kind of thought maybe he could buy a miracle. 
Maybe he could buy a blessing. Maybe, maybe he could buy his way. And you know the interesting thing? I encourage you to be blessed, to have as much money as you can, and, and, to, be, and to prosper. I think that's a wonderful thing. But you know there are some things that money can't buy. And God will strategically put you in places where you say, my money will not help me. You know, there's sicknesses sometimes like that. There's other kind of things where if you have millions and millions of dollars, it wouldn't help. And Naaman was in that kind of place. He thought maybe his money would get him someplace. No, there are some things money won't buy. There's a lot of funny things in this passage and in this whole story. So along with the silver and the gold, he brought along 10 changes of clothing. Now, there are some prophets today that probably would like some designer clothes. And if you're going to bless the prophet, you know, they, they, you know, they would, would kind of like that. You know, I brought, hey, I brought you prophet of God. I brought you this amazing wardrobe and everything like that. I kind of got the feeling that Elisha was not like that. I don't know about you. I mean, I don't, I've never seen any pictures of him. But I, kinda, I, I don't think he would be that impressed but by having a wonderful wardrobe, you know, that just wasn't all so great. But Naaman thought, here's a way to bless this prophet. I'm going to give him a great wardrobe. He can look like me. He can look cool and, and successful. So, so Naaman brings this letter to the king of Israel. And it reads, when, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. Now, now, this is interesting. They, they take this letter from the king of Syria to the king of Israel and, and say, I want you to heal Naaman of his leprosy. What's wrong with that picture? Well, <laughs> when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? That's an interesting thing. Sometimes we've sent the letter to the wrong person. Sometimes we're looking, to the wrong, we're looking in the wrong direction for our miracle. We're looking to some person, some human being, when we should be looking to God. And so it, some of you, I've surely done it, were disappointed because we thought some person was going to do something for us, and they weren't able. They weren't the right person. Have you ever done that? And you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. And so the, the, the king of Israel said, man, I, you think I'm God? You think I can heal? I don't know anything about healing. I'm, that's, and that's not my ministry, you know? And he's just upset. And then he ends this, this verse and says, only consider and see now how the king of, of Syria is seeking a quarrel with me. Now that's an interesting thing too, just a little sidelight. If you want to make people upset with you, Send them some kind of a word by text message, by email, instead of talking to them in person. Have you ever had that situation? Because they can't, they don't know what you're really saying. They can't get your tone of voice. I mean, if they talked in person, if they had a Zoom call, if that was possible, they could have straightened it out right away. But because there's a letter, because it's in writing, because there's no personal relationship or interaction, it just brings about a quarrel. Wow, isn't that something? So Elisha hears about the situation. He hears there's this letter that went to the king of Israel. The king of Israel's ticked off. He, he said, you know, I, I can't heal anybody. Just go away, whatever. 
And so Elisha says, let him come now to me, that he may know that there's a prophet in Israel. In other words, I'm who you should have sent the letter to. And that's an important thing, too. We need to know our role. We need to know that there are some things that God's going to use us for. And it's okay to send the letter to us because, yeah, I, th I think I have an answer to that. I think God's going to use me in that. That's all right. But we need to know when it's up, when it's our turn, and when it's not. Uh, the serenity prayer. Change the things you can change. Accept the things you can't change. Have the wisdom to know the difference. Have the wisdom to know what's your calling and what's not. Wow. So, so Naaman came with his horses and chariots. And it doesn't mention it here, but he, he came with his entourage. You know, Naaman had horses and chariots, but he had a whole entourage of his well, his fans and his servants and all the people. And he came and it said he stood at the door of Elisha's house. As you, as you go through this story, you see the celebrity culture <laughs> is right back here 2,500 years ago. Naaman was a celebrity. He was cool. He was a man of everybody should bow down to and, and honor and everything. And so he comes to Elisha's house, and here he has his big entourage. He has, has his donkeys, his mules, his, his silver and his gold and all that stuff. And he's right outside Elisha's door. And he thinks, surely Elisha's going to come out and do something great for me. Well, look what happens. Elisha doesn't even come out. <laughs> He sends a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored and you shall be clean. So first of all, he doesn't even show up. He doesn't even honor this great man. He just sends a message. Wow. See, God is setting Naaman up all through this story to be humbled. You might not like some of the things that are going on in your life. You might not like how some people treat you. You might not like how some people dishonor you. But the reality is, it might all be part of the setup for God to humble you so that he can ultimately exalt you. And that's what's happening in this story. So he was, he was insulted, he felt like. And it says that uh, Naaman was angry. He was angry, and he went away saying, Behold, I thought he would surely come to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. There, there's a lot of profound stuff right in this, this thing here, too. First of all, he said, I thought. What are your expectations? You know, the greatest problem in relationships and broken relationships is that. Expectations. We have expectations. So Naaman came. He had expectations. He had a, a vision. He was going to show up, and, and Elisha's going to come out and wave his hand, and everything was going to go a certain way. We get frustrated when God doesn't do it our way. I had a week uh, this last week when hardly anything seemed to go my way. I tried this. I tried that. I envisioned here how it's going to go. Nothing went my way. But you see, that could be a setup, right? a setup for our humility, a setup for God's blessing. And so Naaman didn't like it. He, he, was, uh, he was ticked off. I want to point out something also, too. Naaman thought he could just show up, and Elisha would kind of wave his hand, do a miracle, and, and Naaman could go home. What's missing from that picture? That sounds good, huh? Most of the time, 
When God wants to do a miracle in your life, most of the time, you know what? He gives you something to do. He gives you something to do. He didn't just say, okay, I'll bless you, blah, blah, blah. Most of the time, when you want a miracle, most of the time, he gives you an instruction. Remember the wedding feast of Cana? They ran out of wine. And, and this profound line comes from Mary, Jesus' mother. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. So you see, there was an instruction. God's not going to do the miracle necessarily if you're not listening for the instruction. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you don't lose heart. You won't reap if you've never sown anything. And so Naaman thought, hey, you know, pray for me. Wave your hand, I'll go home. No, God gave him this instruction. He said, dip seven times, seven times in the Jordan River. The Jordan River is kind of known to be kind of muddy, kind of small, kind of dirty, not the coolest place. And, and Naaman said, hey, aren't the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? You know, that's the thing. He had a better idea. He didn't like God's idea. He didn't like Elisha's idea. He had a plan B. He said, Is, aren't those rivers better? I'll, I'll dip in those rivers. I can go back home and dip. I don't need to do it like your way. Could, could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in rage. See, because things didn't go his way, he was turning and going away from God's blessing and God's favor and God's miracle. He was going the opposite direction. And, and it's amazing how God also humbled him again. Guess what happened? His servants came to him and said, hey, you know, master, if the prophet told you some really difficult thing to do, that would be one thing. Because you do difficult things. You're an amazing guy. You, you've, done, you've won many battles and everything. But this is kind of a little thing. This is, you, you could surely do this, right? So his servants have to give him input. That must have been humbling as well. And, and it's interesting, too, how if we're faithful in little things, God will bless us in much. Dipping in the Jordan was a little thing, really. But obedience is a big thing, whether it seems little or it doesn't. Wow, isn't that something? And so here's where my precious granddaughter, Claire, comes into the picture. I was reading to her a Bible story just a couple weeks ago, about, and Naaman came up, right? And so it says in verse 14, it says, he went down, that's interesting, he went down, <laughs> look at that, he went down, which way is that? That's humble time, yeah, he went down, and the Jordan River, by the way, is kind of low anyway, and guess where the Jordan River ends up? The Dead Sea, that's the lowest place on earth. So God has a pathway for us to go down, to be humbled, but that's the pathway to our miracle and the pathway to our blessing and, and everything. And so he dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So Claire and I were reading this story, and I said, Claire, he dipped in the Jordan one time, and what happened? She said, nothing. He dipped in there a second time. What happened? Nothing, Claire said. He dipped in, in there a third time. What happened? Nothing. nothing. A fourth time. Nothing. nothing. 
A fifth time. Nothing. A sixth time. Nothing. You would think that God would amortize it a little bit. Like, so you do it once and like one-seventh of the miracle happens. You know, something like that. But no, nothing. Absolutely nothing. And finally, the seventh time comes. And the seventh time, God comes down and encounters Naaman, and he's immediately, instantly healed of his leprosy. Wow. But there's a principle here. There's a principle here of, that goes along with desperation. He was desperate. He was obedient. But here's the next one we have to add. Perseverance. I'm convinced that many of us are on the pathway to a breakthrough, the pathway to our miracle, a pathway to, to some, maybe a pathway to revival, but we lack the perseverance to get to number seven. And so, so you say, well, I prayed and nothing happened. I, I, I obeyed and nothing happened. And I believe that even some of the people so-called deconstructing, have you ever heard of that? You know, people deconstructing, saying, I'm just not going to follow Jesus anymore. Some of them are just on number three or number four. They just never got to number seven when the blessing and the breakthrough would come. Help us, Lord. Help us to be persevering, Lord. Thank you, Father. Well, I just want to uh, sing a quick little song here for you about, about the childlike thing, because... Here's something that will um, save you many hours of counseling if you're married. Um, you, you know, um, wives, and I'll, I'll turn it around in a few minutes maybe for the husbands as well. Um, you know, guys might look macho. They might look successful. They might seem confident, everything. But the reality is, Underneath all the armor, underneath all the bravado, underneath all that stuff, the warrior is a child. We're just a little boy needing encouragement, needing affirmation, things like that. And I'm sure it turns around the other way. Women need encouragement, affirmation as well. I have a friend that every time he gives a message, he's like a motivational speaker. And he starts and he says, he says uh, how many... Uh, how many people in this room need encouragement? Well, the fact of the matter is we all do. <laughs> we all do. And so here's a, just a quick song. They, they don't let me, you just have to indulge me. They don't let me sing in the worship team. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I have to get it in every once in a while in one of my messages. Lately I've been winning battles left and right. Even winners can get wounded in the fight. People say that I'm amazing, wise beyond my years. But they don't see inside of me. I'm fighting all those fears. They don't know that I go running home when I fall down. They don't see who lifts me up when no one is around I drop my sword and look up for a smile for deep inside this armor 
The warrior is a child. Wow. Thank you, Lord. So, so it says that, that Naaman's flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. This guy who was pretty much hard-hearted, you know, confident, kind of, he knew how to do it. He knew how to rule the world. There's a song I heard recently. It's, it's a secular song. I don't know if you guys ever listen to secular music. Uh, when I Ruled the World, any of you people on, you know, secular, carnal kind of people. I think it's by Coldplay or something. When I ruled the world. Anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a cool song, and it really is. But anyway, he thought he ruled the world. But God had a, a way to humble him all through this thing. And so he got his healing. And this is the funniest part. He got his healing. He returns to the man of God. And he said, behold, now I know there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Wow, isn't that something? His whole worldview changed because of this miracle. In Instruction 101, we're talking about worldview. And the interesting thing is Naaman had a felt need. One of the greatest ways to evangelize people is to recognize what their felt need is. Do they need a healing? Are they depressed? Are they addicted? What, what, is, what is the felt need? Because if you could identify and pray for the felt need, there's a good chance that their worldview will change. And so Naaman, who had all the gods of Syria and all that kind of stuff, here he says, wow, I recognize, I've encountered the God of Israel, and that's the only God that there is. What an amazing thing. But then here, here he is, this is kind of funny. He says to Elijah, accept now a present from your servant. Now, it's pretty cool he's calling himself a servant. That's not how he started the uh, story, you know. And, and so he tries to give him some money again, tries to give him some gold and silver again. And, and basically, Elisha uh, refuses to get it. Now, what's the principle there? There's a principle in all this stuff. The principle is you can't buy your salvation. You can't buy your miracle. And even after your miracle and after your salvation, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. Now, Hey, if I was Elisha, I'd said, hey, here's my nonprofit organization. Send it right here. You know, that's, I mean, that's, it was a great opportunity, you know. I mean, I feel like taking an offering right now, you know. This, this is a cool thing. Naaman wanted to give him the money. But, but Elisha, he refused. Isn't that something? And so Naaman comes up with a second idea. This is the funniest thing. Naaman said, if not, please let it be given to your servant two mule loads of dirt, of earth. From now on, your servant will not offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any god but the Lord. So this makes no sense. But, but you have to put yourself in Naaman's shoes. He said, the God of Israel has done a great miracle for me. And back in those days, there was a mistaken viewpoint that there was a God of the land, a God of this land, a God of that land. What's wrong with that picture? God's the God of the whole earth, you know? Jesus cleared that up when he's talking to the Samaritan woman, you know? It's not on this mountain. It's not here. Worship in spirit and truth. You can, you can encounter God anywhere. But Naaman was a little slow on that. And he thought, if I just take some of the land with me, 
if I take it back to my own thing, then I'll have that kind of relationship with God that, that they have in Israel. Wow. That's, that's an interesting thing. He, he really thought he would have a relationship with God because God was the God of the land, and I'm going to take some of the land with me. I've been um, you know, pretty much teaching the Bible for like 50 years, and most of the time I have a prop. And this is by far the heaviest prop I have ever had. I can't even carry it. I had to bring something to, to haul it in with me. And this is it. Isn't that something? Topsoil. <laughs> He's taking dirt home. Could you picture his wife? His wife said, you left with 900 pounds of silver and gold. You returned with a bunch of dirt. You see, it kind of makes no sense, but yes, it does. Because Naaman realized in some kind of weird way, he would rather have a covenant relationship with the God of Israel than to have all the money in the world. How about that? He'd rather have a covenant relationship. He'd rather have the favor of God. He'd rather be in touch with the God of Israel than have all the money and all the stuff in the world. So he loads his mules. <laughs> he loads his mules with dirt instead of the silver and gold that he came with. That is quite an, uh, an exchange. Well, anyway, so, <laughs> so here's the deal. What's going on under your armor? If you were a car, we'd say, what's, what's under the hood? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you might be a shiny car, but you know, wow, that's not looking so good under the hood. Not looking so good under the armor. So why don't you stand up with me? We're just going to end here. I, just, just take a second and, and close your eyes again and say, what's, your, what's the but in your life? You know, you're blessed, you're a Christian, you're saved, all that. But, but here you are, and if the truth were told, if Jesus was standing right here and said, what do you need from me? What's the but? Well, you're not dealing with the leprosy, but what's the but? A physical need, a financial need, a need with your kids. What's the but? Can you identify it? Let the Holy Spirit just search your heart. What's the but? What's the thing? that's still troubling you, still, you're still dealing with. Help us, Lord. Show us that, Lord. That's the first question. What's the but? The second question is, what is he asking you to do? Is there something he says today? You know, we talked about Naaman. He, he needed a miracle. But God gave him an instruction. Father God, I pray that you would speak to us by your spirit today. And show us an instruction, Lord. And we would do it right away, Lord. We wouldn't put it off, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would show us what the, the, what the instruction is, what you want us to do, Father. Thank you, Lord. And, Father, I pray, God, for those that are struggling today with perseverance, Lord. In due season, you will reap if you don't lose heart, if you don't become weary. Lord, we all become weary. 
But Father God, I pray, Father, for those that have prayed and waited, Lord. I pray for those that are on number three or number four, dipping in the Jordan, but, but they haven't got to number seven yet. Father, I pray, Father God, that we would have the perseverance to wait until our miracle comes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. And lastly, I, I, Father, I, I pray for myself. I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would have a childlike heart again, Lord God. Uh, Naaman's skin was not just restored to, to health, but it was like a baby's skin, like a little child's skin. Father God, I pray that, that you would restore us to our first love. You would restore us. To, to that intimacy with you, Lord, that's tender and childlike, Lord, not cynical, not hardened, Lord, not proud, not arrogant, but, Father, childlike, Lord, childlike faith. Unless you enter the kingdom like a little child, you won't enter it at all, Father. God, show us, Lord. Bring us back to that. Bring us back to that childlike faith, Lord, we pray. Thank you, Father.